Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like what you hear, please press subscribe. And also, if you could leave a review and rate this podcast, that would be amazing. Um, Thank you to the many of you who have already done that. It means so much to me, and I read every comment. So please review, rate, subscribe, and uh, tell your friends about this podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to discuss my sponsor today, which is Page One Books, because my summer book bundle is ready on pageonebooks.com. And the bundle that I've put together includes three books that I picked, uh, Montauk by Nicola Harrison, More Myself by Alicia Keys, and I Miss You When I Blink by Mary Laura Philpot, all of which have been on this podcast here. Uh, it includes a Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books beach tote, a cute little library card pencil slash cosmetic case, and a water bottle for staying hydrated plus a little... Um, thing of sun lotion. So go to page1books.com, page one with the number one. So page number one books.com and check out my page one books summer bundle. Buy it as a gift, a housewarming, if you actually go somewhere or just give it to yourself. Everybody needs a treat. We've had a long spring. <laughs> page one books.com. Mary Morris is most recently the author of travel memoir, All the Way to the Tigers. She is such an accomplished author and has written three story collections, four travel memoirs, including a memoir called Nothing to Declare, Memoirs of a Woman Traveling Alone. She's also written five novels, including The Night Sky, The Waiting Room, House Arrest, Gateway to the Moon, and The Jazz Palace. And she won the Rome Prize in Literature from the American Academy and Institute of Arts and Letters. She currently lives in Brooklyn, New York with her husband and teaches writing at Sarah Lawrence. Thank you, Mary. Thanks for coming on. This is such a pleasure. Thank you, Zibby. <laughs> you said in your book, you said, people think that being a writer is a lonely job, but I am rarely lonely when I'm writing. It is only in the morning when I first wake up and once the sun goes down that my demons revive. Right. Can you talk to me a little about the demons? Well, you know what? I'm not sure I really understand them exactly, but I have struggled with depression over my whole life. And also it's an interesting thing about being left-handed. Many, there's a much higher percentage of depression in left-handed people. And I think that work has always gotten my adrenaline going and is always, I've always feel fulfilled when I'm working. And I, I sort of, in some ways, don't know what to do with myself so much once the sun goes down. I don't really like Sundays and I don't really like the night very much. The mornings, I don't know. I mean, but I don't really know what the demons are, to be honest with you. I suppose it's about being lonely and, and feeling alone. I mean, I, I grew up, I mean, I don't think there's much hidden in this particular book. I mean, I grew up in a, a pretty dysfunctional family. And, you know, I found for me, getting getting out, getting away, getting up and moving was the best antidote to the, the feelings I had in my own family home. One of the things I love, I've I've almost always had a dog. I love to take a morning walk. That's what really gets me going every day. That's a good habit to get into. (laughs) Um, Yeah, (laughs) it is. You wrote this great line about your mom that I feel like I feel like this describes an entire personality with this one scene. When you were at your father's memorial service and your mother complained first that the service that you had planned was taking too long. And then you wrote, over lunch, she turned to me and asked, what's wrong, Mary? You look tired. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, my mother, you know, you know, again, you asked me earlier, is there anything that I, you know, haven't been able to write about? And I think this is the book where I've really been able to be the most honest about my parents. And my mom, she just didn't really have the empathy thing. She didn't get it. Um, She never grieved. The only person she ever grieved for was JFK. 
when JFK was assassinated, she cried and cried and cried. But, you know, I think it's in the book. Um, you know, when our dog, when our family dog was dying, she, she called a cab and she sent it to the vet in a cab alone. Um, she didn't get it. So I don't know, I suppose it was her narcissism, but um, she just couldn't understand that what I was feeling and why I looked tired at my father's funeral was I was grieving. So that's a demon, I suppose. Yeah, we'll just start, we'll just keep racking yeah. them up through this interview and we'll have you all sorted no, out by but, the end. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you've not written five, and I'll come back to this book, but you've written five novels and four travel memoirs and three story collections. I feel like this is a dream for so many aspiring authors to be able to keep producing content like this throughout your life, really, and to keep like reinventing the what you want to say and who you want to be and all that and all of that. Like, how do you do that? How do you keep finding new, exciting challenges in life and then also to write about? You know, I, despite what we said about demons, I have always felt incredibly excited about life and and very optimistic about the world, although at the present moment it's hard, but I, I feel I'm just, everything is a curiosity to me. I'm, I have very much a child's mind. I'm interested in everything. There's, there's nothing that I, so there's, there's always, you know, there's always stories out there. There are always things that, that grab my interest. You know, of course there are walls and there are things like that, but you know, I keep copious journals. I've kept journals since I was 13 and, you know, my, my ideas are, are always in the journals. And so many of the, the books I've written in the travel book, like the first one I wrote, Nothing to Declare, Memoirs of a Woman Traveling Alone, I took the trip in 1978, but I didn't write the book until 1986. But everything was in the journals. So a, a lot of what I do in my process is I just write things down as they're happening around me. And then I'll go back and look at them and I'll, I'll just sort of, again, that's the kind of listen and silent, like I'll go back and see what I said five years ago or even 10 years ago and, and find the, the gems in there that I, I want to keep, you know? So it's, it's just always been part of my process. And, you know, one of the things I always say to young writers is it, it, to me, a writer is someone who writes, it's pretty straightforward. And if you, if you have a passion for it and you want to do it, you do it. And I, I love it. I love it when I'm writing. I'm never happier, I think, than when I'm actually writing. I also paint and I love to paint. I love doing those activities. You know, I'm not so good in front of a football game, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but I, I don't know. You know, I, I've, never, I've never had a shortage of ideas. Never. I feel like after reading All the Way to the Tigers, though, I would like to introduce you to my travel agent because I think that you, you can find some better accommodations where when you're taking these trips, <laughs> when you were like freezing cold and there was no heat and no hot water and you're like in this, you know, in the middle of India. I mean, this is like really roughing it. <laughs> well, you know, it's just, I mean, yes. and well, I don't know. what. Yes and no. I mean, a, a lot of that about, I mean, India is India. And in fact, where I was staying, particularly in Pench, was a, a lovely a, was a lovely resort area. But yeah, the, the hot water and the cold water were switched, and I was incredibly sick. And for days, I didn't, I just, I didn't take a shower because I thought I only had cold water. And the cold was just freezing cold. I think the worst moment for me was the train ride back to Mumbai because 
there I was really sick and it was really cold. But I had asked my travel agent for a train ride. I'd wanted that. And she said, Are you sure? And I said, Yeah, yeah, just get you know, get me a get me a you know sleeping compartment and it was a nightmare. So, you know, part of it is me. <laughs> not not, you know, I'm also not a very good planner. So a lot of what I'll do is I'll say, Okay, I'm gonna go do this, but I don't I I don't have an itinerary really. I mean I did for this trip. You know, I had a driver and I had a, a bit of an itinerary, but just a lot of stuff you can't control. But I, I'm not a, I'm not a good, you know, I, one of the things I actually like to do more than anything in terms of traveling, and I'm, I'm fortunate to be married to someone who likes to share this with me, is we've done a lot of house exchanges. So we've swapped our house in Brooklyn for places, you know, all over, really. And I like to go and plunk myself down somewhere and go to the markets and to know the people. And I speak several languages and just immerse myself in a place rather than, you know, I feel more like a traveler than a tourist. I'm not a very good tourist, but I probably could have had better accommodations. You're right about that. <laughs> I was just kind of, I was kind of joking about it, but. <laughs> no, no, I know, I know, I know. But I could sense your frustration in the book when your tour guide wouldn't let you out of the car to go wander around and you kept asking to go for a walk and they were like, no, 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 we have to take you further away. And I felt like you were just about to explode in frustration at that time. I could really feel it through your, through your words. <laughs> well, you know, when we were in the actual Tiger Reserve, I understood that they didn't want me to take a walk. And I actually, I, I looked back finally at the moment where I said, can I take a walk? Because it was a moment in the in the reserve where there were creatures everywhere, you know, water buffalo and all kinds of birds. And it was this beautiful wild boar. It's this beautiful bucolic setting. And obviously if all these animals are out, there wasn't a tiger nearby. I mean, I knew, I knew that I learned that on my trip. So I thought, well, maybe they let me take a walk, but of course they wouldn't. But the real frustration was when I wanted to visit some of the villages and we weren't in the tiger reserve anymore. And I was like, I just want to walk, you know? And so that was frustrating to me. I felt very cooped up. I, I'm not a good person to coop up. I don't like to be confined. I always have to have an aisle seat. And, you know, I just, I don't, I don't, didn't like the feeling that I couldn't get out and walk. I haven't been on safari in Africa, but people tell me that it's one of the constraints that people feel in Africa, which is they really don't let you get out and walk. And speaking of walking, the yes. big part of the book was your ankle injury and how... Yes you recovered from it and how after a freak ice skating accident happened, you ended up having to have a massive surgery and having a second opinion. And someone said you were going to need ankle reconstruction and you're coming to terms with sort of your limited mobility. How did not being able to function the way that you used to be able to affect you and your mood and, and all the rest? And how did it inspire you to want to go chase the tigers? Well, I mean, that's just such a good, good question. And again, it's a little bit like the demons because I, I must say that part of me doesn't entirely understand it. I just do better in motion. I like to be in motion. I like to joke that the subway is my stairmaster, <laughs> that I, I like to be going somewhere. And, you know, having this accident and, you know, it, it's in the book where my doctor says to me, you know, when I said to him, after three months, he said, okay, your, your bones heal. So you're, you're good to go. And I'd actually brought walking shoes with me that day. And I couldn't take two steps because the pain was absolutely excruciating. And two weeks later, I went back to him and I said, when am I going to be normal? And he said, well, what do you mean by normal? And I just started weeping because I realized that I might never be, you know, normal again. 
And that was when he told me that, you know, a racehorse is put down for a lesser injury than the one I had. My bone was shattered. He said it was the worst ankle injury that he had ever had to deal with. And he is a trauma surgeon. So it was very, very difficult. And it was very psychologically difficult. And I think there was just that moment when I was reading Death in Venice, which wasn't going to cheer me up. (laughs) But when I got to the sentence about he would go on a journey, not far, not all the way to the Tigers. And I was laid up. It was Easter Sunday. I was stuck at home. Larry works on Sundays. So I was all alone. Our daughter was on her junior year abroad. And I just read that sentence over and over again. And I thought, when I walk, and I will walk again, I'm going to go to the Tigers. I'm just going to go. I'm going to figure it out. So, you know, it, it just, I've, I, I, I'm pretty determined, I guess. I'm pretty <laughs> determined. Yeah. <laughs> Unstoppable. How has this whole quarantine then affected you as, as someone who needs to be in constant motion? And now it's like, a glorified being trapped in a moving car, like at home, essentially. How, how has that been? Right. Well, you know, I think, you know, I, I think my injury was kind of my learning experience for, for this moment. And first of all, I do walk every morning. We're in a, in a remote place right now. So there's, I see nobody. And so walking here is very easy in the city. We live in Brooklyn. When I'm in the city, I walk the dog like at about six in the morning. So I, I do get out like that. But one of the things I learned from the previous, from my last time I was housebound was you have to be productive and you have to find ways that are productive, that are meaningful, not only to yourself, but also to other people. So for example, I do things for myself every day that I, I want to, you know, self-care and all that and, and my writing. Um, but I also make a little list every day of who do I want to reach out to? Who might want to hear from me? Who could I check in on? You know, and just try to give back also and be aware of other people and what other people are going through. So I, I found I, I'm actually extremely busy and productive at this time. And I think if I, if I knew some of the lessons that I'm, I've learned in the first being housebound with my accident, I wish I had known some of it now. I I wish I had been able to be more productive. I remember when I was laid up and I was really feeling sorry for myself and a friend came over and she said, well, be grateful you didn't break your wrist. And that really stayed with me because I thought, you know, I wouldn't be able to write if I'd broken my wrist. So, you know, we have to be grateful for what we have. We have to assume that this isn't going to go on forever you know, one of the things they say about depression is it's a, it's a hole you fall into and you think it's never going to end. And, and that's what makes it so terrible for people. You know, like a child who thinks they've been left alone in a room and the mother's never going to come back. And you just have to, I don't know, I guess, I guess one of the things is, first of all, I'm, I'm excited about this book. I have a lot of work to do. We're expecting our first grandchild. Aww. And so that's quite exciting. And in fact, this remote cabin where we are is just down the road from our daughter which is why we rented it. And I, I don't know, Zibi, you know, I'm, I feel very busy and very enlivened and I'm not really minding it that much. I miss my friends. You know, I miss seeing people, but, you know, I do Zooms with them and things like that. So, you know, it's okay. Well, that's great. I, I, think, I think staying busy in service to others, I agree, is sort of the key to the whole thing. And P.S., my wrist has been killing me for the 
<laughs> last two days. And I was, and like, if you want, I mean, I'm sure your, your ankle injury was like horrific, but I, yeah, this, this is not, this is no fun. And I'm like, how, what am I going to do if I can't respond to my like hundreds of emails every day? Like, let alone like oh, write wow. something. So anyway, whatever, I'm, I'll be totally fine. Yes. It's right. It's very scary if, if it's, if it's a part of your body that you really need. And yes, it was hard to be laid up, but I did learn some lessons from that. And they've been very helpful to me in this period. And, and being productive, I think, is really important for people, whatever form that takes. And are you working on a, are you working on a new book now? Yes, I am. I actually, so I published a novel a couple of years ago called Gateway to the Moon. And I'm sort of doing a kind of a sequel to it. I'm sort of... Gateway to the Moon is about the secret Jews of New Mexico. These are Jews who fled to New Mexico during the time of the Spanish Inquisition. And we lived in New Mexico a number of years ago. And we had a babysitter who believed he was descended from, he believed he was descended from these people. And I got interested in him and in his world. And I wrote Gateway to the Moon kind of based on his story. And after I finished Gateway to the Moon through a story that's way too complicated to go into, I found myself in contact with Jamaican Jews who also fled during the Inquisition, and their story is also fascinating. And I've never considered myself to be a Jewish writer per se, but these I'm quite interested in buried histories and hidden histories and people who don't really know what their history is. And so I've really gotten interested in, in that whole world. And just as an aside, the cabin we've rented is actually owned by a descendant of Jewish pirates. Hmm. Wow. Who knew? Which is a whole, <laughs> right. Who knew? Right? <laughs> so yeah, there's a whole, there's a book called Jewish Pirates of the Caribbean that I highly recommend. <laughs> the, new, the new novel is kind of based on it and it'll be published in, I think, 2022. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. So yeah. do you have any final advice to aspiring authors? Well, you know, I was I was sort of thinking about that, that you would ask me that. And I I've, I think the first piece of advice I have is if you if you if you want to write, you write. You know, you just keep writing. Don't quit your day job. <laughs> but if you feel, you know, if you feel passionately about it, you should write. And I think it's really helpful to find like minded people. I mean, I have maybe about five friends that I will share my work with fairly relatively often not not in a workshop way but you know I can always call certain friends and say hey would you take a look at this or what do you think I think it's important to listen to the stories inside of you and write them and then when the time is right you know share them with people but but just keep doing it I think that's my biggest piece of advice is just keep at it there are no guarantees there's no one that can say you know don't think about what's going to happen to the work. Think about if you're taking pleasure and enjoying the process of doing it. You know, are you enjoying it? If you're enjoying it, just do it. Love it. That's you great know? advice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Well, thank you. Thank you, Mary. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. This is such a pleasure. <laughs> and thank you. Sorry for our technical snafus, but I'm glad it all worked out. <laughs> sorry on my end also. I'm glad it worked out. It was lovely talking to you. You too. Thank okay. you. Bye-bye. Okay. You take care. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Please don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review this on iTunes. Tell your friends about it. Spread the word. 
Thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much to Page One Books for sponsoring today's episode. I hope you'll all check out my summer beach bundle at pageonebooks.com. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You can always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com. Thank you.